I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Paul's epistle to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5. And I want to read a select passage from the fifth chapter of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. I'm going to read verse 1 and then jump down to verse 13 and read through the end of verse 25 near the conclusion of the chapter. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, and then 13 through 25. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians gathered at Galatia, writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, we pray in these next moments that you will take your divine key and unlock the door of our hearts and minds and enter into the deepest core of our being, and that you would speak a word to us today about the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. Indeed, we enjoy freedom as Americans, but the one who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so speak to my heart and to all of us, and then, Lord, as we gather around the table today and We remember that symbol of freedom on Calvary's Hill 2,000 years ago. How you released the captive and set those who were in bondage free. 
We pray that even today, because you are the same God today as you've always been, that even today, Lord, that you will be loosing prisoners in this place and setting us free for the glory of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on Wednesday of this week, I mean, you'd have to be living in a hole uh, to not know it, but on Wednesday of this week, Americans will take a time out to remember the founding of this great nation and celebrating the liberties that we enjoy as citizens of the United States of America with picnics and, and fireworks and parades and all the rest. We will try to recapture a sense of our identity as Americans, of who we are as people of this great land. And we will celebrate together freedom. That's the whole idea of July the 4th holiday. It's not about the brats and the wieners. It's about celebrating the freedoms that we have as Americans. And it's caused me to think again about the freedom that you and I enjoy as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our text today, the Apostle Paul celebrates the truth of Christian Freedom, And he begins this, this whole uh, uh, outburst on, on uh, freedom with this very high note in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, to my ears, it sounds a little redundant, but it's, I think, strikingly effective because it's precisely because of its redundancy that the idea of this, this idea of freedom, and, the, and Paul is telling his readers that Christ has set us free, and he wants them and us these centuries later to celebrate that. For what purpose have we been set free? We've been set free for freedom. Christ has set you and I free, free from sin, free from the bondage, free from the guilt and the shame and all the rest. He set us free in order that we may indeed be free. But it seems to me that the question of this text today is, what is it that Paul means when he talks about freedom? More specifically, what does it mean to live as free people? And just exactly how are we to use this freedom, this gift that God has given us, through the Lord Jesus Christ, His only Son. And I think these are very relevant questions that we need to grapple with today because freedom has become one of those, those uh, mantras, one of the most precious words in Western society. Freedom is the reason that we have our young men and women, uh, whether you agree or not, uh, with the president's policies, uh, freedom is why our young men and women are in Iraq and Afghanistan and posted around the world to protect individual liberties and freedom. Uh, we're coming into the election cycle. Oh, way so early for the election cycle. We're up to our ears already with political speeches. But you're going to hear over the next months as we lead up to this next general election, politicians touting this word freedom because it has so much capital. We celebrate, uh, we will again this Wednesday, the fact that we are a free people. We have uh, rights and liberties. We have free votes and freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And we have a free press. And Paul, the apostle, would agree that freedom is of great importance. And it certainly was a, a word that was very precious to him personally. 
But I'm wondering, did the Apostle Paul mean the same thing when he spoke of freedom as we in especially Western societies understand freedom today? And I think this question is a crucial one because our entire Christian life is based on the idea that we live as free people. It is the the warp and woof of our life. Freedom is the mode of our existence. Everything that we say and do is to be done as, a, as an expression of the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. Are you glad that Christ has set you free? Can I hear an amen? That He has loosed the prisoner, that He's taken the one who was beforehand a captive and now set us free. But the danger is this, that if we misunderstand what Christian freedom is all about, it follows quite naturally that our free choices will not be pleasing to God. We are to live as free people, but everything depends on how we understand the concept of freedom. So what does Paul mean when he talks about freedom? How does our contemporary understanding of freedom compare to Paul's understanding? First of all, I think it's safe to say that Paul surely would not have objected to concepts like freedom of religion or free speech. He practiced his own faith freely. He spoke very freely. But on the other hand, the word freedom has certain connotations or meanings in our 21st century world today that it never had for the Apostle Paul when he wrote these words to the Galatian Christians. When people speak of freedom today, they simply or usually imply the fact that it means that we as people are autonomous. We are independent. In other words, you and I celebrate the fact that we can do, because we're free, we can do whatever we want to do. We can do whatever we please as long as no one else gets hurt. It means that to be free, that we're not controlled by anyone, anybody, or anything else. As long as you don't break the law, People can do whatever you choose to do. The sky is the limit. You are free to pursue any pursuit and do whatever your heart desires. And we celebrate that as Americans. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's the common sentiment today. But now you take that 21st century understanding of freedom and you compare it with what Paul is talking about here in Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And I know that he would agree that we're not controlled by others, but hear these words. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Here's the clinch statement, though. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but rather serve one another in love. Now, it seems to me that there's a, a huge contrast there between our understanding of freedom today and the Apostle Paul's apparent understanding of freedom. Society today views freedom as a means to pursue one's own agenda. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, whatever it may be. But Paul's view of freedom is a means by which we are truly able to become one another's slaves, to be servants to one another. Literally, the Greek there in the original language says that we, through love, 
We are to perform the duties of a slave for each other. So that in Christ, in the body of Christ, I now become your slave. You knew that already, didn't you? And you become mine. And it is a granting of permission, if you will. Because we are set free in Christ, we're not going to indulge the sinful nature with its desires. And he gives that that long, it's almost a breathless list of sexual debauchery and hatred and discord and envy and rage and all the rest. But instead, instead of indulging the, the sinful nature, instead, we're going to turn all of our energies as free people to serve one another. That's what we're called to do. If you accept the contemporary notion of freedom that each individual is the master of her or his own ship with no necessary obligation to anyone else, then you miss out on what Paul is saying real freedom is all about. Paul's understanding is that all human beings are free in some sense and enslaved also in some sense. The question is, from what or whom are we free? Or to what or to whom are we enslaved? There's no such thing, I think, there's no such thing as absolute human freedom, which many people believe today. The question for the Apostle Paul is, which master will you serve? Which master will you serve? In the context of his letter to the Galatians, the freedom that the Apostle Paul envisions is a freedom from the law. And if we had time, we'd go back into that and how the Judaizers were coming among the Christians there at Galatia. And we're trying to enslave them again to the Old Testament Jewish rabbinical law. And Paul was reminding them that, hey, you've been set free by God's grace. You don't need to keep the law of Moses or any other code of ethics to be right with God that you have been made right with God through your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, we could camp there a long time this morning. We're not going to be able to. But the fact is that you and I, Paul said it to the Ephesians, for we are saved by, what did he say? Grace. It's not about you. When are we going to finally let this spiritual truth dribble down into our hearts that your salvation, my salvation, is not about our performance? It's not about our adherence to a behavioral code, a list of do's and don'ts. We are saved by God's good grace. We didn't deserve it. There's no way we can earn it. But God, in His mercy and His grace, has forgiven you. That's good news. He loves you. He's forgiven you. And you are saved by grace. And that's, that's what Paul is communicating to the Galatians. It's the foundation of the Christian life. As Christians, we are wonderfully free from that eternal striving to earn God's favor. Because through faith in Jesus Christ, we already have His favor. If you are in Christ, everything that is in Christ is yours. All that is Christ belongs to you. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, Even as we pray to the Father, we aren't going to the Father alone, are we? When we go to the Father, no, absolutely. Right now, even as we prayed this morning, even as we sang our prayers to God, we have an advocate with the Father. What's His name? Jesus. 
And he is pleading our case. He is taking us like a good defense attorney should do. He is taking our case to the Lord. Do we deserve that? Absolutely not. But I'm so glad I have an advocate in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to earn God's favor. We have it through faith already. But freedom from the law does imply that we're not uh, free from all obligations. And this is where I think a lot of people, including many Christians, have a wrong understanding today. For his part, the Apostle Paul wanted to make it absolutely clear that his readers did not go wrong at this point, so he taught them what freedom was all about. Paul insisted that in Christ we do have an obligation. We are not absolutely free. We have an obligation to Christ, And we have an obligation to one another. Fulfilling those obligations will not earn us God's favor. You already have it. We have God's love and we can rejoice over it. But precisely because Jesus came to set us free, we become a slave. A slave to Jesus. A slave to one another. And I know there's a paradox there, and it's hard for us to, to get our mind wrapped around that when we talk about freedom and obligation in the same breath. But I think, again, that shows how much we are products of our own culture. Merging the concepts of freedom and obligation may be a paradox, but it is only a contradiction if we accept the contemporary notion of freedom that's touted about there, out there right now, which the Bible by the way, never does. For Paul, the question is, which master are you going to serve? His teaching is that all of us are mastered by something. When Paul speaks of freedom, he primarily describes it as a change of masters. And that's very different from current understandings. Freedom comes, freedom comes when we choose the right master. Christians used to be a slave to sin. That's Paul's case. Slaves to the law, unable to please and obey God. But Jesus has set us free from that. And now Christians are slaves or servants of God and of one another, and we are able to please and obey God. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Romans, this freedom from slavery. Listen to his words in Romans chapter 6. What then, Paul says, Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. The two concepts, you've been set free, freedom, but you've been enslaved. What are you enslaved to? The old sinful nature? Absolutely not. You've been set free from that. And some of you need to affirm that in your soul today. Because of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross, I am free. I'm free from the past. I'm free from that bondage. I'm free from that that old identity that used to be mine when I was caught up in sin, when I was out there living a, a, a life that was displeasing to God and not very satisfying, when I was hell-bound. I'm set free from that. But once you've been set free, hallelujah, 
you've become enslaved to Jesus and his righteousness. This isn't only Paul's teaching. Jesus himself implied the same thing when he taught no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In Jesus' teaching, again we see that the the concept of absolute freedom is a farce. All of us have a master. I have a master. You have a master. The question is, not are we mastered, but by what are we mastered? Who or what is leading your life today? We have been freed from the law, from sin, and ultimately from death, but we are not free from obligation. We are freed in order that we might fulfill our obligation to God and to one another. That doesn't mean we... It means that we've been set free from our former taskmaster, which was sin, enslaved to selfishness, to selfish living. That describes most of us. But now, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus... We are to turn away from self-indulgence. Part of the change that has to take place, the transformation that has to take place, is that when you've been set free from sin, you need to move away from selfish living. You need to move away from self-indulgence. If freedom means autonomy and independence, if freedom means that as individuals we can do whatever we please, then I think community life suffers. And there's no country in this world that stresses independence and autonomy like people of the United States. But I think that we pay a price for this understanding and freedom of freedom in terms of our community life. We all need to be aware that our thinking, mine and yours, has been influenced by today's understanding of freedom. The teaching of the Bible is clear. Do not use your freedom to indulge yourself, but through love become slaves to one another. The question this morning is this, and with this I close. Are we doing that? Are we living our life for self? Are are we following our own agenda. Are we doing that? It means that our money should be used for the good of others. It it means that our time and our gifts and our talents, everything that we have, everything that we are, is to be used in serving others. It means that the driving force of my life and yours, the thing that motivates Your choices and mine, our actions, should not be the next purchase I make, the next movie I can see, the next promotion I can get, the way I'll use my leisure time this coming weekend. Rather, because we've been set free, we have an obligation, an obligation to serve. We are called to be actively involved in other people's lives. We are motivated daily by a desire to build up, encourage, pray for, and do whatever we can for other people. Now, in some ways, I'm preaching to the choir this morning because so many of you understand that already. 
You're involved both here in our city. You're involved in your neighborhood. You're involved in short-term missions around the world. And I applaud that. But I want, I don't want to be satisfied with, with just the, the numbers that are already involved, but I want to cast the net wider and I want to say that for all of us who've been set free in Christ Jesus, we have an obligation to this world. Not only to pray, but to go, to give, to do whatever we can in our corner to serve one another. The very purpose of our lives should be to serve and obey God by serving others. In his, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, here's the rub, in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now get honest with yourself for, for a moment. Do you consider others better than yourselves? I think that's a verse to take home and meditate on, to let some time, allow it to sink in. Do nothing from selfish ambition, but be humble and think of others as better than yourselves. To me, there could be nothing that's more counterintuitive and countercultural than that statement. Society says, you go for yourself. You live for self. Pursue your own agenda. Spend your money however you want. Use your leisure time as you choose. Be, be preoccupied with your own security. Seek to be comfortable. You deserve it. You are the master of your own ship. That's what contemporary society tells you. But the Bible says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but instead serve one another. That's what we're called to do. We have been set free from the law. We've been set free from sin. What a happy condition, the hymn writer says that is. But we've been set free to serve one another. And is there any better example of this than Jesus Christ himself? How did Jesus exercise his freedom? Did he pursue his own selfish agenda? No, he chose to obey the Father and became human. He chose to live among us and teach us. He chose to heal the sick and feed the hungry. And ultimately, Jesus chose to use his freedom to suffer and die for us, which we will remember through the Lord's table in just a few moments. And as people whom Christ has set free, he is now asking us to follow in his example. You've been set free to serve. That's your obligation. By the grace of God, through the love of Jesus, the indwelling power of the Spirit, we've been set free. But you're not free from obligation. According to Paul, now you have a change of agenda. And your agenda is, how can I serve? As we close and prepare to celebrate around the Lord's table, I'm going to ask you to take just a moment in quiet meditation, to think about and pray about, Lord, how can I, this week, instead of pursuing my own agenda and exercising my own rights and freedoms, how can I, this week, in humility, how can you use me to serve someone else? Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's someone in your workplace. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood. God, how could you use me in this free land 
to serve someone else. Take just a moment to meditate on that and pray about it, and then I'll close us in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we admit that we are guilty, I and all of us, of extreme self-indulgence. Some of us, Lord, have, have become slaves to things and agendas and purposes that are not glorifying to you. We thank you today that by the grace of God and Jesus Christ that we have been set free. We celebrate the freedom that is ours as followers of Jesus. But I pray today, Lord, that you will help us to not use this extreme condition of freedom as yet another opportunity to indulge ourselves. And remind us that because we have been set free, that through your love we have become slaves to one another. So will you startle us this week by laying on our hearts some way that we can, in humility, consider others better than ourselves, in some way demonstrate our service to our community, to, to our church, to our family, to our neighborhood, to our world. Will you... Uh, Help us to be creative and think of a way that we can do that this week and thereby celebrate the freedom and the obligation, both of which belong to us now. And Lord, as we come around this table and hold symbols of freedom, may we remember the wonderful life that is ours in Jesus that we are free and we are forgiven, that we're loved and that you have set us free. Help us to stand firm on that today. Come and be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name.